0: Hi, everybody! You're listening to a new episode of the Real Life Oscars Challenge. Yeah, we made it to the second episode, but it's not done yet, so maybe we won't actually, I don't know. Um, As always... What? How did you say that? (laughs) What's gonna happen? I don't know. Um, You never know. Something could explode. it's, It's thunderstorming outside, we could lose power, which would actually not change how this mic works. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, what I do know is that my name is Mike Levito, and I'm joined, as always... By my roommate, Lars Emerson. That's me. And my sister, Kathleen Levito. Hello. And we're here to give you some more opinions on some movies that were nominated for Best Picture. The year was 1995. O.J. Simpson was found innocent in the court of law. Michael Jordan returned to basketball after playing minor league baseball. But most importantly, one. Lars Thurston Emerson was born That's, that's me. <laughs> in the city of Las Vegas. It's a great city. Also that year, some movies were nominated mm. for Best Picture. Those movies were <laughs> Apollo 13, Babe, Braveheart, Il Postino, The Postman, and Sense and Sensibility. And we're going to talk about them right here and right now. So let's start with Apollo 13. Yes! (laughs) That is a movie whose details I should have pulled up before I started this. It's directed by Ron Howard. It is.
1: It stars Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton, Kevin Bacon. I mean,
0: Ed Harris is great in it. Um, Gary Sinise. Yeah. Kathleen Quinlan. It was written by William Broyles Jr. and Al Reinhart, and it's based on the book Lost Moon by Jim Lovell. And Jeffrey Kruger. Very nice. Um, It's about the Apollo 13 space mission, wouldn't you believe? Um, Which, would you like to explain what it is? Yeah, so Apollo 13's cool, right?
1: (laughs) Well, actually, it's not very cool. (laughs) Basically, they went up... I mean, uh, it
2: was literally
1: cool. (laughs) True. (laughs) They they went up, uh, you know, they go off, uh, there's three men on board, there's uh, Jim Lovell there's fred hayes and there's jack Swigert, who's from colorado (laughs) um and they go up and basically on the way to the moon uh there a a problem happens in their like it's like their air intake or basically they start expelling oxygen from the ship and then they like fix that but then that ends up breaking basically the whole thing um so i have to like turn off the power so they can make it home so they don't actually get to land on the moon like they were supposed to um, they just have to, like, slingshot back around and go home. And they only have, like, you know, hours to live. Uh, but, you know, they, they made it back, and it's considered, like, the greatest moment in, like, spacefaring history. And then it's, like, it was the most, like, difficult challenge that NASA and these astronauts ever faced, and they still made it.
0: Yeah, that's... that's what would you think of this movie, Laura? Oh, I
1: love this movie. See, I, so I'm really biased about movies like this. I really like movies about humanity going to the stars and what it means for us as a species and what we can and should and must become to be better than ourselves. And I think that's why, I like, movies like this and The Right Stuff are, like, my favorite kind of movie.
0: What do you think, Kathleen?
2: I really, really enjoy this movie as well. I've seen it before, um... Like eighth grade science class, yeah. Um, but I think it, it's funny because I think I like it for uh, almost an opposite reason of Lars in the sense that I like this one because I think while it was very like otherworldly, quite literally, I think that it was there was a lot of um, just interesting like personal emotion, and you know, you saw um, just how they're personally reacting to this whole situation, how their families are reacting. On how relationships kind of start to, you know, tensions arise and, like, heartstrings get pulled and stuff like that. So I like it for giving us this really wild scenario for just getting in touch with ourselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. Like, I watching this, this was the first movie we watched in this round. This was the first movie we watched in the 1994 block. And, like, the one thing that I feel like kind of defined in 1994 block, at least to me, was, like, sentimentality. And a lot of those movies were really sentimental, like Forrest Gump and even Shawshank Redemption, which gives you sort of a different spectrum of sentimentality and, like, different quality of film, I think. But that's kind of what defines, at least in my mind, when I think of a 90s movie, I think of something, like, pretty sentimental. Maybe it's just because, you know, it was like peacetime and, you know. (laughs) Everything was great. Right. Um, So, I think that... Going into it, I, like, yeah, that was in my mind, like, oh, this is, like, going to be, like, a a sweeping, epic, sentimental 90s movie, and it reminded me of Science Class, where it's going to be, like, kind of, like, you know, like, a dad movie in a way, Mm -hmm. which it probably kind of is. My dad does love this movie. Right? (laughs) But then I watched it, and what I think separates it from a movie like Forrest Gump is that, like, it kind of gives you proof of why, like, America is great. It's more real. It's yeah, a, well it, it is literally based on yeah, true events. Yeah. And it's also legitimately gripping. Like it is actually like edge of your seat interesting because like it really I think sets home this idea that like these people were just floating in a tin can in space and like you know, came pretty close to dying.
2: Like that I just the how it they shouldn't have made it back. Like that's wild. Yeah. The amount of math involved in this.
0: Yeah, it's like, there's, um, and I also just, like, so it starts Tom Hanks, you know, who's also in Forrest Gump, Tree lost, what which we watched for a la- lot yes Kathleen
2: he was so good in this he's, movie he's good in everything He's but I like I mean like I've seen many movies with for- uh, not Forrest Gump but Tom Hanks <laughs> Forrest Gump too <laughs> with Tom Hanks and he's a good actor and everyone else he's a good actor but this movie he's a great actor I, I feel like it just highlighted just everything he can be like he was a real person in this movie you know he was like he just he just played a real person so well
0: yeah it's like that's the like. There's that one scene where they're testing out how to, um, you know, they're doing like training and they're trying to figure out. I guess I think it's how to re- land or I t- to land or how to dock into the, the capsule. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna get my terminology really wrong here because I just watched this movie two weeks ago and I don't know that much about space. But I mean, who does? Um, huh? And <laughs> um, they they start to leave for the backup team and. Uh, Gary Sinise's character is like you know I, I know we were successful but I still didn't feel great I still think I waste too much time and so Hank just goes alright let's get it right and I feel like in the hands of like a less capable actor that'd be like kind of a cheesy line mm-hmm. and it's a very much like a it's very much like a high school football coach sort of like get it right like yeah. kind of thing but like the way he it's just such like a natural like all American goodness where he's like yeah. yeah you know what let's get it right and it's just like I don't know. It's just, like, he's, the, like, Tom Hanks to me is, like, he just makes me so happy. He's, like, the pinnacle of just sort of, like, this, like, pure heartedness, and he's just, like, I was, this is going to take, like, a darkish turn, but it's, like, oh, boy. I was thinking, like, you know, of celebrities who will like, absolutely devastate you to find out they have some scandal, some skeleton in their closet. Like, he's now, like, top of my list, I think. Yeah. Where uh, okay. it's, like, he is sort of, like, a, uh, I just feel like such a universally beloved figure. And um, I really like him. And the other thing to what you said is that like he plays like a real person. Mm-hmm. What I think this really does is it kind of um, it. This movie also kind of captures, I feel like, the hubris of space travel, and um, like these these characters aren't necessarily like infallible heroes in a sense, right? There's basically what happens early on is that Gary Sinise's character is supposed to be the pilot. Um, he's supposed to. And he, they end up doing blood work, and it turns out he caught rubella, and so he can't go up. And there's this whole scene. It's like a really like great, like sort of like, and like a movie that's really defined by its technical feats. It's a really great like acting scene where he's being told by Tom Hanks who has to make a decision whether the crew goes up to space or he gets left, whether they have to delay their mission to like like Apollo, I guess it would be fifteen. 14. But it's, like, the way the missions work is that, like, you had to wait for two missions. Oh, 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 I don't know. Basically, they would have had to delay their trip to space, and another crew would have to go, or they would have to leave him on Earth. Um, and he, he argues with about the flight surgeon, and then the next scene is them telling it, and it's like, a close-up of Sinise's face, and it slowly, slowly zooms out, where he's just kind of, like, talking to himself, and he's like, yeah, I guess so. And he is like, really frustrated and angry, kind of storms off, but, like, he knows he has to do it. And so there is, like... Like, there's an element of sort of, like, selfishness there, right? This idea that, like, going to the moon is, like, the ultimate accomplishment. And sort of, like, it it, is, it's, it, 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 it um, satisfies this, like, sort of, like, burning desire, right? They're not necessarily just going for the good of humanity and scientific advancements. Like, they're going because they want to go. They want to be, like, the only people to have walked on the moon. Mm-hmm. And even though Gary Steens wouldn't have walked on the moon if they had got there. But... It 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 captures. It, it's like these are like you know real flawed people, but they're still like admirable people. Yeah, which I, I I thought I really enjoyed. And it's not
2: even the hubris of going to the moon. It's like you can tell that this is what these have characters have cared about since they were kids. Yeah, like you get that sense of like this is this is my truly my dream. This is everything I've ever wanted, mm-hmm. and you see that when um, they make it to circle the moon, but don't actually land. And so they're like, "Oh, we'll look at the window anyway." And Tom Hanks is like, "I don't want to look out the window." And mm-hmm. they're like, "No, come on, Tom! I don't know his character's name, but come on, Tom, let's look at the window." And he's like, "I can't, I can't look at the window." And it's just like, I that was really like painful of seeing something that you know you almost had it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh God, he's so good at this movie.
0: And he would never step foot on the moon. So that's I don't want to bum you guys. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jim yeah. Lovell never no, that, made. It. That's kind of, no. Well, none of these people made yeah, it, right? That's yeah, so that's kind of sad truth, but. It is also, like, a... Um, what was I going to say? Moon. They were at the moon. <laughs> they were. Oh! <laughs> also, I, I also do love movies where people have to, like, solve a problem. Where yeah. it's, like, a process movie where it's like, all right, we have this problem and we're going to solve it. Um, to put the square filter in the round hole. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that. I love that scene so much and I love how it's, like, they, they literally, like, they go to a table and they put out everything that astronauts have in the spacecraft. They're like, all right, we have to make this fit in this using only this. And then you see this dude, like, running down the hallway with this contraption he's built, and they, they tell him how to do it, and the guy turns to him and he's just is like, you're one steely-eyed missile man. It's just such, like, a good, wholesome feeling. Um, that, yeah, it's just, it's like, the beautiful thing about space travel is that it gives you completely, it just gives you very, sort of, pure heroes, right? They're bloodless pioneers. They're not hurting anybody. Um, and they're just... But they're doing something truly admirable. Yeah. And I... That, that movie kind of captures those. They are the best of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... The, the other thing I really like is it also like... It, it's not like... It's not necessarily a movie... It's... So I, I feel like... Um, there's this film critic I read and he, he complains a lot about what he calls competence porn and he says Aaron Sorkin does this a lot and he actually says the western I'm sorry Lars okay, well. where it's like Aaron Sorkin <laughs> writes movies where people are just like hyper competent at their jobs and and this critics finding he's like that doesn't make for an interesting movie you need people who are like kind of bad at their jobs and kind of fuck ups to make an interesting movie um, and what I think this movie does is it kind of go- splits that difference where it's like there was like a massive like stuff got messed up and no one really knows what they're doing, but they're still like smart and capable people. But they have to kind of like build stuff on the fly, and that's really compelling to watch. And also, it makes for really good tension because there's that one scene where I forget exactly what happens, but like um, you know, it's when 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 the uh, the what their, their craft, let's call it, because I don't know if it's a capsule or what, it gets really cold and there's condensation on the walls, and uh, Jack Swagger has to turn stuff off or just turn stuff back on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and um, he's like hey there's a lot of condensation here like what What do, are these going to short and then the people in Mission Control kind of look at each other and they're like uh, no they're not and they're kind of like yeah and they just kind of like shrug and doesn't short obviously because that would be a bummer for a movie but um, yeah
1: uh, a thing I really like about this film and I think the whole genre in general and I'm going to kind of steal this from Interstellar but there's like there is no evil in this film. The only like evil, and I say this in Interstellar. I guess that's what they take with we take with us, right? Uh, but in this film, there, there actually is. There's no like bad guy. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just humanity trying to do the ultimate thing. And I, and I in comparison to the rest of the films out this year, <laughs> yeah. I, I just I thought it was like very refreshing. I, I like that in a movie. I like to just yeah. see
0: pure heroes. And it's funny, there there, it's, um, there there. are things I noticed, there is sort of, like, the way it displays sort of, like, the space program, it's actually, like, very 90s, where it has these overhead shots of, like, yeah. this very impressive machinery, it has, like, this, like, very digital looking, like, subtitles mm-hmm. explaining what's going on. It does, does not I... feel like it happens in 1971. No. To some degree, I, I yeah. always
1: kind of feel like it's it ha- taking place in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every, yeah. I get that.
2: What was that place we went to in middle school?
0: The Kennedy Space... Uh, no. Bueller.
2: Bueller. The
0: cha- the Challenger... Wait. Middle
2: school? Bueller Space Center?
0: It was the Challenger... It was like the Challenger Space Center. You mean like... It was like fifth grade. Oh, fifth grade. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think it was called Bueller.
0: I don't think it was called Bueller. 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 Um. But anyway,
2: that's what I felt like is like... So we in fifth grade we went to this place where you pretended it was to be
1: the Bueller Challenger Space Center. The Bueller Challenger Space
2: Center and <laughs> and in, in, in New Jersey somewhere and you go and you pretend to be on a space mission and that's what this movie felt like to me It was like you're all like working together and you have this like weird problem that you have to fix and like lights are going off and um, but you know at the end it's just like a lot of fun and you get your picture taken at the end and you get to have some um, I don't know it just felt good. good yeah. Movie. Was there anything we didn't like about this movie?
1: So, kind of. <laughs> the, the 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 reasons I think this aren't this is not a five star film. Uh, I gave it four and a half stars. is is sort of for the same reasons I kind of think like Blade Runner twenty forty nine wasn't a five star film. Where it's just like there's really just like three minutes that don't need to be there. They don't really like do anything bad. They just don't add anything. And it's like I, I kind of feel like we could have had and it's literally this it, there could have been like five seconds less of like the wife Yeah. Mm. and I would have been like I, I also think like some of the effects while amazing for the time like have an age great yeah um, other than that
0: like, it really good. <laughs> yeah, the, the re-entry sequence, I think, is kind of, like, not aged super great. But,
1: like, the that's fair, but, like, the part where they go off the radar, and it's, like, <clears throat> no capsule after, like, a minute has ever re-emerged, mm. and it's, like, it goes by, like, three minutes, and then finally the music swells, and we see them. That's so great. I love that part.
0: Yeah, that's definitely awesome. And, uh... And... Yeah, like, kind of like we said with The Wife. But what I will say about that is that while, like, she, I think she's given some of, like, the cheesiest lines. Yeah. yeah. I, I do... What I do think is that it never... So I hate disaster movies, right? Right. And I think yeah. one of the reasons I hate them is that, like, there's, like, let's take these characters and put them in, like, a, a dangerous situation. And I always find this character not interesting enough, right? But what I think this actually does is, like, in involving sort of like the families, it actually makes you like very afraid for what's going mm-hmm. to happen, yeah. and like you know, you you kind of feel like, oh, what if you know my loved one was up there in space? Yeah, and well, never come back. that's
2: one of my favorite parts. I'm not a huge fan of the wife either, but one of my favorite parts is that she's there with the kids, mm-hmm. and she has to explain to these very young kids like. So your dad's in trouble. Yeah. And like how do you say it, it made me feel like it made it remind me of like I was in kindergarten when 9/11 happened and mm. we lived in New Jersey very close to New York City and one of my strongest memories is having that ex- kind of explained to me where our father didn't work in the World Trade Center but he might have not been able to get out of the city that day. Yeah. So our mom had to explain to us like your dad might not come home tonight. Mm. And like that's a weird thing to have to explain to children. Mm. Like you don't want to worry them, but you have to be honest with them. So it was like a I liked her role for being that person who has to like hold down the fort while also like being on edge and like not knowing what's happening. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a movie, I don't think even though you're right, there may be like three minutes doesn't need but for the most part I don't think it wastes a lot of time. No, um, no and yeah. is pretty efficient. Yeah. This movie was nominated for Best Visual Effects, it won for Best Editing, it was nominated for Best Art Direction, won for Best Sound, nominated for Original Dramatic Score, Adapted Screenplay, Kathleen Quinlan, who played the wife, was nominated for Supporting Actress, Ed Harris, who plays the head of Mission Control, <laughs> yeah. was nominated for Supporting Actor, and was of course nominated for Best Picture.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: Next up we have Babe. <laughs> um, Ram, you! Um... <laughs> Yeah, an interesting movie to be nominated for Best Picture. Dude, but it's it's, fucking lit. It, it is a babe is, it, is, so is the <laughs> littest movie. It's so uh, it's a movie about this pig who's kinda who who's a runt of a litter and just kind of like plucked out of his factory farm at a young age and then brought to some uh It's a carnival. A, yeah, like a, like a county fair and some so it looked like they were in England, but they were That's definitely not right. in England. That, I kept thinking that too. And apparently, the book this is based on is, takes place in England. Um, by the way, this was directed by Chris Noonan, uh, written by George Miller and Chris Noonan, based on a book called The Sheep Pig by Dick King Smith, and starring James Cromwell, oh. and Magda Zubansky, and Christine Cavanaugh. And a bunch of people voicing animals.
2: Do we want um, to start a book club and just read Babe? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I feel like
0: it's a bummer of a book, though. Oh, I don't for know. Sure. Basically, he gets plucked out. this farmer guesses his weight. His farmer doesn't raise pigs. He, he gets Babe, and Babe's the only pig on the farm. He sort of becomes the surrogate son of the dog. The dog. Fly. Fly. Nice. And um, sees Fly being a sheepdog and is like, huh. I want to be a sheepdog, too. All while um, the farmer's wife kind of plots to eat him. She's the real pig in the movie. <laughs> Guys, this is,
1: whoa, that's my hot take. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's been brought up before. But, yeah. like, she is the pig. She's always eating, and she's, like, clearly, like, like a, net, a not great person. She's gluttonous. A little bit.
0: She's the real pig. Kathleen, what did you think of this movie?
2: <laughs> this movie was great. I remember, like, 30 minutes in, I think I said, "Like, why did this get nominated?" And then 10 minutes after that, I was like, "This is why." This movie is great. It's like just a feel-good movie. I still don't super know why it was nominated for Best Picture, um, but it was just feel-good. It was and it was cute, and it was like Animal Farm light in a way, mm-hmm. where it's like, "This is." Ha- but I must say,
1: less communism.
2: <laughs> less communism. <laughs> And this is a movie that I definitely watched when I was very young, and it definitely scarred me in many ways because there are many like near murder scenes mm-hmm. of this very innocent pig who does not know what's going on, and like everyone else knows what's going on. Yeah. So that was very screwed up. Um, but otherwise, it's it's nice, and I think what I love about it too is that this is just like a sappy thing, but like Babe gets by in life by just being a genuine creature. You know, he's nice to everyone. And and it's just like the good guy won without having to know that he ever had to be a bad guy. Like there was no, I mean, he got sad, sad at one point. But he just like, it was a testament to being nice to people, you know?
1: He's so pure. He's
2: so pure. My
1: other hot take on this movie, <laughs> Babe is Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Babe is like animal Jesus. Is how he's he's positioned in this film. Is he always like turns the other cheek, and then at the end of the film when they've won the big contest and the farmer's like, "That'll do, pig," and I'm crying a little. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the sun beams down as God embraces his son,
0: Babe the pig. <laughs> Babe's farm Jesus is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, I I think the reason I have some theories on why this got nominated for best picture, and I kind of tried to find out on the internet why it was nominated. If anyone had like an idea, I couldn't find one. Um, but, but there was one like web like article that was, like justifying why it was. But basically, like I look at Babe, and it's like I compare Babe to a lot of like not that I watch a lot of modern children's films, but like there's no sort of like. It it never feels like, even though it's clearly sort of like a family children's movie, it never talks down to its audience.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think there's also like a definite visual style,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: like in the cinematography and the editing. It's all, in some ways the editing. It feels like a Looney Tune come to life because you have these sort of like, um, you know, where like the 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 screen will like it'll circle the black out and circle the black back out. And yeah. has um, the mice singing and stuff yeah. like that. And also, like I realize, like it's all told from. Like the pig's eye view, the camera, mm-hmm. right? It, it's it's like very interesting in that it gets you down to sort of like the animal level, and so it was kind of an interesting, um, like a a visual feat in a way, and also I think yeah, it's like it it it, it's, it it carries some sort of heavy, like heavy stuff happens, right? It's like it's about these animals like desperately not wanting to get eaten. Well, two animals desperately not wanting to get eaten really just Babe and Ferdinand the Duck I didn't like him I don't like Ferdinand he's silly and I don't need that
2: Lars <laughs> is not like silly cat. I don't like it we
0: had a big conversation about this a few days ago but anyway um, I also think that I also just the idea of sort of like paving your own like uh, th- there's, there's like this climactic point where the cat Duchess voiced by Moaning Myrtle did, did we confirm this? I confirmed it in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: true. I'll confirm. keep talking.
0: <laughs> it, basically, she she's like, oh, you know, you know what pigs are for, right? And he's like, no, what are like, pigs? You know, what pigs. Are. It, I can't yeah, do a voice. I can't do her voice. <laughs> it's very annoying. But she's just kind of like, you know, you're an animal with no purpose. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, you know, they're going to eat you. um
2: and yes, then that goes not into, into the I'm best. The
1: Hold on, I'm
0: wrong.
2: A scene of the movie when the farmer dances and just everything is right yes. in the world. I love that. Scene. Oh
1: my god! I was wrong. It's not moving Myrtle."
2: It, it sounds exactly like "Winning Myrtle." It does.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think scene is why James Cromwell got nominated for an Oscar for that movie. And I think that's that's thing. so interesting. But that scene is great. I was yeah. tearing up a little bit. And I did. I did love. I loved his character as sort of like a a sort of like stoic but gentle force and like a very like the, the rest of the human characters are like not good. No. Like his wife is, you know, very a kid. <laughs> in, very intense <laughs> on eating babe. His his grandchildren are spoiled brats. Mm-hmm. His daughter and son are like you got to modernize. <laughs> yeah, they're evil. And clearly. the doctor sedates the one dog. Um it's like oh. Well even the dog was he kinda of kind of deserved it. But like it makes you feel bad for the dog. It,
2: but then he learned his lesson.
0: Yeah. And redeems himself. And redeems himself. I think so, yes.
2: Yeah.
0: And so this movie also reminded me of do you know the song Black Hole Sun? Yeah. So that music video, like, it's like it has sound garden and they're playing on like this big hill and there are shots of this sort of like idyllic suburban like environment, but all these people have, like, really big eyes and, like, really distorted smiles and are doing, like, a bunch of creepy stuff. And that's kind of what the people in this movie reminded me of. And I also think that's kind of why I got nominated, or it is, like, this weirdly subversive sort of view of, like, idyllic country life where people are kind of, like, twisted in a weird way. And it's a very, like... I also think just the way it handles the drama in the movie is sort of, like... It's like knowing, but still not condescending, right? Because it's like, an adult could watch it and think it's very funny that like, the way things are being played up, but a child could watch it and be like, oh, there are real stakes here. And there are real stakes here, but there are no cows. That was a really bad pun.
1: Uh, (laughs) Good one, Michael.
0: That's... It wasn't very good. (laughs) Most of what I have to say about this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have a lot to add.
2: Yeah, that's about it. I liked it. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, my, 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 one of my criticisms is that, like, it doesn't build out the barnyard cast. It doesn't. (laughs) And I feel like, yeah, it actually reminded me of Four Weddings and a Funeral in that regard, where it's like, nice. They go to great lengths to make it look like a horse can talk, and he has, like, one line. Yeah. So, Yeah. We talked for, like, 20 minutes about Apollo 13, and we talked for, like, five minutes about Babe. That's okay. But Let's go. Yeah. Let's I going. think that's okay. I think we'll have a lot to talk about the next movie, but before we do that, I just want to let you know, Babe did win for Best Visual Effects. Nice. One, uh, nominated for Editing, Art Direction, Screenplay, James Cromwell was nominated, the Director, Christina was nominated, and, of course, Best Picture. Next, we have Braveheart. Braveheart! <laughs> uh, a movie... Dr- <laughs> Directed by Mel Gibson. Woo! Just kidding. <laughs> kidding, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> written by Randall Wallace. Starring Mel Gibson, Sophie Marceau, Patrick McGowan, Catherine McCormick, Brendan Gleeson. A cast of thousands. Um, it's about William Wallace, the great Scottish patriot. William Wallace! <laughs> basically, it starts out... Well, it starts with him as a child, and he witnesses the English murder of these people, basically, including his father.
2: He finds their bodies. He's he finds
0: their bodies. And then it's later, and he returns to uh, his, his, his little Scottish hamlet, and...
2: He goes off and he gets ed- educated by Yeah, his, he, like, um,
0: travels Europe. Yeah. And he falls in love with this woman there, um, but... Well, it's
2: his childhood sweetheart. His
0: childhood sweetheart. But the king... Like a minute. <laughs> the king, <laughs> in a way, to breed the Scottish out of Scotland, has an act prima nocta, which basically means all the barons... Can sleep with all the wives on their night of marriage, which is apparently there's no historical backing that has ever happened. But anyway, but they definitely did stuff like that. Yeah. So they get married in secret. One of the English occupiers basically finds out. Um, so they go after her. She ends up dying, and then William Wallace exacts his revenge on the sheriff of that town, and that eventually becomes like a full scale rebellion. While well, this is going on. The King of England, Edward Longshanks, or Eddie Shanks, as I like to call him, is like trying to make turn his son into like this powerful military commander, and then Robert the Bruce is trying to become king of Scotland. So there's a lot going on in this movie. It's three hours long. Laura, what did you think?
1: Oh man, so this 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 is it's huge. I, the three hours thing, I actually didn't mind. Uh, I I thought it like was paced pretty well. Uh, this is like this film is like a technical feat it's like quite it's an epic mm-hmm. it's it's very impressive um like at the time I can see why this was such a big deal and why it ended up winning um, best picture is it, it is just so like it's just like such a feat of a film and it's objectively it's pretty good you know in hindsight there's like issues with like The realities of the film not that that necessarily should degrade it uh and you know mel gibson (laughs) um it's just it's it's interesting it's it's it kind of struck me as kind of like in some ways like this almost like a superhero origin story at a lot of times which i which were kind of like my favorite parts is it shows like this this man he has to he like goes on this like conquest after everything in his life is destroyed, and he like exacts like this revenge quest against England, um, and he becomes this like legend. And I like I like I was very pleasantly surprised by like how much I admired what went into this film.
2: Yeah, Kathleen. I loved nearly every second of this film. <laughs> Especially the
0: shirtless scenes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Those are Lars's favorite. Yeah, oh my
1: god. Okay. Young Mel Gibson, pretty cut. He was. I'm just saying. No, this is an accurate fact. Cut. Yes. He was thirty nine when he made the He goes shot. out of his way. We'll talk more about that. Okay, he goes so out of his way to show us how cut to This gets to why
2: I love this film. <laughs> Yes, it's a technical feat. Yes, I think it is actually paced very well for being a three-hour film. I get restless easily, and I didn't ever, like... I enjoyed, like, every second you of You don't feel the length of this movie. You don't feel yeah. it at all. I think, looking back, I think maybe the beginning of the film could be oh. tightened up a <laughs> yeah, little bit.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, but while you're watching it, it's, it's not a big deal, but... What I loved about this is the parts of it that didn't age super well, (laughs) and it just made everything so much better. And it's like, I wasn't laughing at the film, but I was, like, enjoying, like, all of the glamour shots of Mel Gibson and his, like, you know, his Bon Jovi hair just blowing in the wind, (laughs) and the fact that there's, I mean, apparently they didn't wear kilts until the 17th century, but they're fighting everything in kilts, and it's just like, oh, after the upsteam battle in kilts, it's like, just gets funny. Um... Just, I think it's a, it's a funny film in general. There's like they have some good quips in there. Um, just God, everything about just the whole the, the Eddie Longshank story with his son is fantastic. The fact that they're like the French princess, I loved everything about this movie. Just everything.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a fun watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, it it there, yeah. There's there's a lot of like. Is like a legitimately like gorgeous movie to look at. Um and yeah, like it is a technical feat, but it's also just like it is a little ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And oh, really? but that it's a it's a fun viewing experience. Yeah. The the one thing that pops into my mind is early on in the first act when he's still trying he's trying to woo his childhood sweetheart again. And they're they're all living in these like fash huts and <laughs> In order to like help her sneak out at night, he throws a rock at her window like it's a freaking eighties like teen movie. I'm like, did he invent this move? Like what's going on right now? Um, so it's like it's stuff like that where you're just like, What the hell is going on? But then it's like the battle scenes are amazing. Um The I and I loved also like the the yeah, the court intrigue. Like yeah, the 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 whole um <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me, the story of Edward Longshank's son, who was just Edward the II second or third or whatever. Um whose whose gay lover was thrown out of yeah. the window by <laughs> the king. Game that was surprising. <laughs> yeah. Like his whole story with between his wife and his gay lover, and then Robert the Bruce's story trying to like unite Scotland under one king, and also it also works. Um
2: Robert yeah. the Bruce was Thick. the part that I didn't care that much about.
0: Oh, I liked
1: it.
2: Um I think it was obviously important for the movie, mm-hmm. um, but it was out of all of the three storylines happening, I cared more about the two, um, and he was more of an actor thought to me personally. But
0: that's fair. I, mean, I, I think
2: it was like at a—it's a three-hour movie with a lot of characters and a lot of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. For me, I had to pick and choose what I was gonna, you know, pay most attention to. Yeah, and he was like, uh-huh. everyone was just arguing when he was around, so I did that's, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I didn't take away from the movie at all, though. I, no. think, I think he was important. Yeah. Um, clearly, he was part of history. As yeah. historically inaccurate as this movie is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is super. Apparently, it's super historically inaccurate. If you go on its Wikipedia page, there is a section six, historical inaccuracy, and there are seven subsections underneath that. <laughs> so, yeah. Not considered <laughs> the most accurate movie. But the way I kind of like rationalize that is that this screenplay was largely based on an epic poem written by a guy named Blind Harry um, called oh, The Wallace. Um, and it, uh, you know, it's, it, it was like a medieval epic poem, so a lot of like indulgences and sort of exaggerations. And if you watch that movie like an epic poem, as it, it is not like literal historical truth, but as sort of like a celebration of like a national figure in Scotland, I think it works really well.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's more like a tale of like Gilgamesh mm. or like biblical or mm. even like a Thor movie than it is like a real thing. Is I uh, yeah, for some reason yeah. I keep thinking of Thor and it's not just his hair. He also looks like, I said this before, he looks like the, the human version of the beast from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> looks weird. But it's like, it is very much like, I, I enjoy it more, I think you're right, as like a mythical epic.
2: Yeah. 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 For sure.
0: It's way more interesting this way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Another thing I noticed about this movie, and I've noticed about Mel Gibson in general, is that Mel Gibson is, like, super Catholic. He also makes some of the most violent movies I've ever seen.
2: Yo, oh, Christ was and? crucified. Yeah. That's not cute. Yeah. I
0: know, but like, this is, like, a really violent movie, which is fine. But yeah. it's also a super Catholic movie. Like, it's, like... Real like at the beginning he kills the gay guy. <laughs> No, <I'm> just... well, <laughs> no, but it's like there's there's a lot of scenes where it's like when his uncle comes after his father's death. He's like, did the priest give a poetic benediction? And he's like, he spoke Latin. He's like, oh, we're gonna fix that. tells you hey he went on a pilgrimage to Rome, mm-hmm. and he uh, there's the Irish guy who says, in the, like, you know, if an Irish person wants to talk to someone of equal standing, he has to talk to God.
2: I love the Irish guy the most. He was my favorite character. See,
0: I thought he was okay. I liked him.
1: I liked him a lot. I liked him. I, he Like, all the sidekicks reminded me of Thor's side. Like, I just, yeah. I kept thinking of Thor. It's like, these are Thor and his, his sidekicks. Um,
2: going back to the not to cut you off, but going back to the, the, it's a very gruesome movie, and despite the fact that I laughed along with this movie a lot, <laughs> the, the gore was not something that I, like, it was not campy gore. Mm-hmm. It was, it was definitely over the top, um, but it wasn't like, it didn't look, you know it wasn't bright red paint going everywhere. It was like yeah. actual I don't, it was done very well
0: yeah. in
2: extreme excess mm-hmm. but done really well. Um and it was just really nasty.
1: It's like if I had to sum this movie up into one word, it would be like gratuitous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah. very just like ex- Excessive and like the glamour shots of Mel Gibson, how Mel Gibson positions himself as this Christ figure, and like how extra it is that his character's last word while being cut to pieces is freedom. It's like like okay, Mel, like stop. Um, but it, works. it <laughs> like, works. No, it really works. <laughs> I think the
2: one thing that's weird about that is that I mentioned this after we watched the movie. Is that the one thing that's not done to excess is like the sex scenes where there's like two of them and they're both like ten seconds long yeah. and it's more just them like staring into each other's eyes lovingly and then you assume the rest I am I was not asking for sex scenes but it was that everything else was done to like the umth degree that it was kind of like huh okay yeah. well, I guess that's that it's yeah. almost like it was like a three and a half hour long movie and then they had to cut it down so they're just like ah oh, just get rid of the girls It's fine. yeah kind of
1: Mel Gibson likes dudes. <laughs> the, what? No. <laughs> There's a, a lot of flashing in this movie, so that's true. Yeah, it's true.
0: I don't know. I stand by it. Yeah, but this is yeah. It's it's oh, it's yeah. It's like a it's a f- okay. We'll we'll get to this later. But yeah, it's like a fun movie. It yeah. yeah. Um, it's a movie I definitely like enjoy watching, and it's like. Yeah, if you have three hours to kill and you've never seen it, it's, like, definitely worth your oh, time. Sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, well, like, come with snacks and friends. Because if you watch this yeah. by yourself, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, right
0: it'll now. be a bit of a drag. But it's, like, <laughs> fun to watch with people. We were yeah, just, like, yeah, for sure. Going around. Um, it's, it's funny, too, because this movie by Empire Magazine, which is a British magazine, um, it was ranked by its readers as the worst Best Picture winner of all time. Which, first of all, I've seen Gigi. G. is the worst best picture winner of all time. Or at least that I've seen. And which it, and so, Braveheart definitely, for a while, like, carried this reputation as like a bad movie. It's not. But it, like. And I can see why, maybe, like, certainly after Mel Gibson became, you know, a problem. That, a problem. <laughs> like, why people would be like, oh, this is like a vanity project. And I can also see it being like, oh, this is historically inaccurate, and especially if you're English, where it's basically just like man, between this and The Patriot, Mel Gibson just really hate the English. But in The Patriot, he literally has British soldiers round people up in a church and then burn the church down, which is a thing like the Nazis did. The British did not do that. Um, anyway. He's, I, a, he's a messed up guy. So, yeah, I, I think it's – I get why this movie was, has been sort of maligned because it is like a sweeping epic, and I feel like sweeping epics don't tend to age well. And maybe the fact that, like, our our uh, appreciation for that is at least somewhat ironic isn't indicative of that. Like, you know, we're not so, I don't think we're supposed to laugh at this movie. Yeah.
2: yeah. for sure not.
0: So, yeah.
2: That's... I don't care. I loved it. No, I loved it too. It's awesome. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It is a technical feat. It's very pretty. Yeah.
0: It's great. It was nominated for Best Film Editing, Costume Design, One Makeup, One Cinematography, nominated for sound one sound effects uh, nominate for dramatic score screenplay and then one director and picture
2: and my last thought on this which is not a necessarily well kind of is about the movie it's about a time period that I feel like doesn't get a lot of coverage because mm-hmm. he talks about like the 13th century right? that's yeah. what it was? 14th, 14th? century 13th, 13th to, to 14th. 14th It just it's not one that gets a lot of like press yeah um and so I think it's just really enjoyable to watch, too, to be like, hey, this, not like this is a time period, but, like, it, introduce you to the characters at the time, Cause everyone's familiar with, like, the big names of, you know, World War II era, or, like, modern times, or, you know, even the 1800s and stuff like that. It's, mm. it's nice to have a break from that. <laughs> Who
0: wants a hat <laughs> Lincoln. <laughs> okay. Um, next movie is Il Postino, The Postman. That wasn't the next one you watched. No, but (laughs) I'm doing in alphabetical order. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. It was directed by Michael Radford and Massimo Troisi. Screenplay was by Anna Pavignano, Michael Radford, Sfrio Scapelli, Giacomo Scarpelli, and Massimo Troisi. And it starred Massimo Troisi, Felipe Noray, David Partington, Karen Mary, and Maria Grazia Cucinata. So Italian. This movie was so Italian. It was literally Italian because it takes take place in Italy but, and it was spoken Italian. But weirdly enough, I feel like I enjoyed it more than the two Italians in the room did. That may be. So this movie is about um, a postman. And what happens is that Pablo Neruda, the famous Chilean poet and communist... Communist! ...is exiled from Chile and um, finds asylum on this island in Italy and this guy gets hired to be his personal mailman and in the process he learns about poetry from Pablo Neruda and Colin and learns about comics from Pablo Neruda and asks, Pablo, Neru, and, and asks Pablo Neruda to help him win over like the local beauty and that's kind of it <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how i want to meet the love of my what, life what did you think of this movie Lars i
1: i i actually liked it i thought it was i thought it was sweet i thought it was pretty i thought it was Um, I thought it was nice I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised By a film that had no English And was like a technically Foreign film Um, I like foreign films, I'm sophisticated (laughs) Um, The last five minutes took a very Dark turn that I was not Mm. Expecting, but uh, You know, it kind of worked (laughs) What about you, Mike? What did you think? Let's go to (laughs)
0: Kathleen first
2: Um I don't know how much I have to say. It was extremely pretty. Mm Yeah, it was extremely pretty. Um, It was had sweet moments in it. I don't know if I believed in any of the characters' intentions. Um, It did have a weird turn that I didn't like for many reasons. Um, Over, I guess I enjoyed it, but it was like it felt like a movie that I would watch in school. Like, you know when your teacher taught and you have a substitute, they would put it on and be like, okay, yeah, this is accessible. But it didn't feel like something that I, like, truly enjoyed.
0: Yeah, I... I don't know what to make of this movie. I... It just felt really weird and, like... Mm-hmm. not, like, boring, but I don't... Okay, like, so here's my thing with this movie. Is that, like, he goes to Paul Rudy. he's like, oh my god, I met this really hot chick... And like I, Is that an exact quote? No. And like I gotta I gotta meet her and he's like, Okay, what do you want me to do about that? He's like, I oh, want you to help me like write poems about her. And he's like, Fine. And so he teaches him about metaphors. And then <laughs> I don't know how you actually say it in, in Italian. So then, he goes and he tries to use a metaphor it doesn't work and so he talks to problem again and then he goes back and he basically just kind of like says these poems at her and like just like that she's went over and mm-hmm. it happens in the course of like 10 minutes 15 minutes well I mean they had met two times before that I guess so and he
2: didn't talk to her in those two times he
1: sort of did he said
2: what is your name and then repeated her name Beatrice <laughs> Beatrice
0: Beatrice Russo yeah. Nice. Mario Rupolo. Um
1: I I I thought this was like a very this this is this isn't gonna make any sense, but I'm gonna say it. Of all the movies I've ever seen in this like in, not not ever, but in this like <laughs> endeavor. Yeah. This was the most like if I were to describe a generic film, yeah. this is my generic film. Yeah. This is like a generic film. There's nothing like that makes it not generic. It's just very standard film.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, no, like,
2: what puts it over at the top is the, s- the how it looks. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know if it's the cinematography. I don't know if it's the editing. I like the,
1: the soundtrack.
2: Soundtrack is very nice. The, s- the score did oh, win. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh nice. Um, I think that's what makes it like. The story is very generic. I think that mm. the way it looks, for me, in my opinion, at least, is what makes it. A little bit better. Mm. Um, I also think that it's about someone coming, into, like you know, he's finding beauty in the things around him, like this girl on the island, and it's about the sentimentality of where you live to some extent. And I think that people are a sucker for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I
0: thought the
1: acting was pretty good. No, yeah, I I thought
0: I actually thought the I, I thought the lead guy was really good. What, what I did like about this movie is that it's about this dude who's just kind of stuck in like, a dead-end place. Like, he was kind of born into this very... He went to, like, this small fishing village in Italy, and there's, like, nothing going for it, and nothing going for him. And I feel like he kind of portrays that sort of...
1: So he votes communist. Mm-hmm.
0: That, that, But he just portrays that, like, sort of, like, like like hopeless simplicity in a way, right? Whereas like, he's, like, an uneducated guy. Um,
2: he hates to fish.
0: He hates to... F- but, yeah, he hates to fish. He's sort of, like, a... He's a bit of a sad boy. Oh, A a bit. But he's not (laughs) totally
1: helpless, I guess. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Um, I just, my issues were just, like, I... (sighs) Um... Didn't believe that in their love story. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe she was in love with him. I thought that they were gonna get... She was gonna run away. Mm -hmm. Um... Which is, like, a small thing in the grand scene of this movie, but it's not really.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then... Yeah. 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 I, I guess <laughs> my, my, my,
0: my, my, my problem with it is that I didn't... If you're, like, description of this movie, it's like, oh, a simple postman meet Pablo Neruda who teaches him about love and poetry. But I never really got that. And yeah. I feel like that's, like... That is like exactly I mean, I know it's like, oh. I know it's literally what happens, but it's like, I never understood, like, why that, like, why the changes of this guy went through occurred, or like, mm-hmm. I, like, there's like this ending scene where it's like he, he recognizes the beauty of his own place and he records all of it for Pablo mm-hmm. and Neruda. And I never really understood why he made that turn to being yeah. like, I'm stuck in this dead end place, to like, oh, this place is actually beautiful.
1: Oh, I liked that Cause it's, because it's because he's remembering where it's where he found his friends and his wife, and he's like he he misses his friend Pablo who's left, and he thought you know maybe he'll never come back, and he's sending him all the things that he's now realized he appreciates about a place that Pablo made him see beauty in. I liked it. You guys are wrong.
0: <laughs> you, you're making me like it more. I'll yeah. say that. <laughs> um,
2: I no, it's like I understand the point Lars is making, because I think that's what it, the movie is supposed to portray, but there was no... You don't see that turning point in him, mm-hmm. um, I feel. And I also... So then he ends up dying, being killed, in a communist um, rally. rally. The
0: police come to break it up, and he presumably gets his head bashed in. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Well, something <laughs> happens to him. You added that it. <laughs> and
2: he... The reason he's at this communist rally is because he's going to read a poem there. Um, And you never see him, like, really crafting his own poetry. So you're also meant to believe that he becomes a poet of some sort. I don't think, like, a big one, not, like, a Pablo Nerida-sized poet, poet, but you never really see him doing that, and you never see him, like, other than saying to the local politician, I'm voting communist, you never see him being a communist, whatever that looks like.
0: What I will um, disagree with you on is I do think it shows him being a poet because, A, he recites orally the poetry he's written about. But Beatrice. I have a question.
2: Did, didn't he steal one of those poems from Pablo Neruda?
0: I couldn't tell.
2: That's... I think he <laughs> did. And Pablo did not seem phased by it at all. Which one? The naked one. Nuda. Nuda.
0: Maybe. Um... But I also think when when he's when he's doing all those field recordings, like I think that's supposed to be poetry. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: You were gonna say something. I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I. Yeah. What I also th- okay. I also don't. Yeah, there were parts of this movie I liked. I actually thought like the their relationship sort of growing. I enjoyed that. I thought that was kind of like a sweet. Like, him and Pablo becoming friends, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed. Um, But there is a point where it's like... This movie, I feel like kind of... I can't tell if it... it, So I can't tell if this movie does think Pablo Neruda was, like, the greatest man who ever lived, or the characters just think he was, and the whole point is that, like, they're kind of wrong. Because there's this whole point where Pablo is is able to go back to Chile, and he leaves... They don't hear back from him for a while, and they finally get mail from him. And just being like, "Hey, can you mail back my it's stuff?" It's not even from him; it's from his secretary. And actually, so what I think is one of the better, definitely the best piece of acting in the movie, which is where Mario, played by Massimo Troisi, is like, he's just like it's on. as a close-up, and he's kind of like, "No, you know what? Why, why would he want to say hi to me? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just a postman. I'm not a poet. Like, why, why, why would he want to do this?" And I'm like, just like. I don't know. I find hero worship very off-putting, and so maybe that's why it didn't really yeah. click with me. I also find communism pretty off-putting. So maybe that's why it didn't click with me. Um, yeah. See, I'm a big hero worship guy. I'm like, not into yeah. communism. <laughs> <though>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 um, Yeah, no, I, I, that actually kind of makes some degree of sense.
0: Yeah. I... Some stuff I did like, though, is, like, there's that one scene where he talks about talking to Beatrice the first time, and he's, like, recounting to Pablo, that's not Pablo, name. and he's like, he's, like, yeah, so what did you say? And then it goes, to, it cuts back to him talking to her, and he's, like, oh, what's your name? And then he's, like, what did you say? And he's, like, I just said Beatrice. And then what did you say? And he's, like, I said Beatrice. <laughs> like, he's, like, I just repeated it. He's, like, that's it? Like, that's all you did? Um, and it's kind of, like, yeah. Presented like a pretty. This it is like it has its moments of humor. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the like when the priest is like Communists eat babies. Like, <laughs> he's like Papa <"Pop laughs> can't be your best man because he eats babies. But but
2: he doesn't. He has a wife. He has no kids. Yeah. Are you suggesting he <laughs> ate his babies?
0: But so so that scene though to me is indicative of what I didn't like about that movie because of like he's a godless communist. He can't be at your wedding. And then like two seconds later, you see him in a pew. And it's like that conflict is solved right there. He proves the one guy who has
1: some mm-hmm. reservations wrong. The one that assumes but because, because you're, of his because political you're values, at
2: church doesn't mean also to, also because you're at church doesn't mean that you're Catholic or that you're holy or whatever. So it's like the priest should have been more questioning. No, but it's yeah. not. It's
0: not even that. It, it's like it's, it's more so just like that. That that like problem that that bit of conflict is resolved super quick. All like it's, it's 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 revolved literally in the span of like two minutes, and yeah. I feel like that's most of the conflicts in this movie.
1: Well, I will say it's, it's a very short movie. It's like two it's, hours long. It's two what? and two what? hours and twenty minutes. minutes. Hour forty. Oh, hour you're right. Actually, no, you're right. You're right. Um, oh, never it's it's short, and like the third act. It feels like comes in like the last ten minutes and then leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the third act. I think like the end of the movie really starts. The conflict happens when Pablo leaves the island, and then he said His friend has left. He records the island. He comes to terms with the loss of his friend, of his hero, and then you know, he dies. Mm-hmm. And that's like that. It's literally like fifteen minutes is where the entire third act takes place. Yeah, and it's really. I feel like most of the film is really just like first act. Yeah, uh,
0: but I. I I kind of thought it worked in the end. Yeah. So this movie did win for dramatic score. It was nominated for Adapted Screenplay. Massimo Troisi was nominated for Best Actor. Um, the director, Michael Raffer, was nominated and was nominated for Best Picture. Um, this sort of... I was going to say the fun fact. This is not a fun fact. Massimo Troisi delayed heart surgery to star in this movie. Okay. And the day after it was on filming, he died of a heart attack. Oh, my God. So I think this is probably why one of the reasons it was nominated for Best Picture is that it became like a sentimental thing. Yeah. Also weird thing about this movie is that even though it was a foreign language film nominated for Best Picture, it was not nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. Whoa! Explain that one to me, Academy. Let's move on. <laughs> Our next movie is Sense and Sensibility, which was directed by Ang Lee, uh, written by Emma Thompson, which is based on a book by Jane Austen. You may have heard of her. And stars Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Kate Winslet, Hugh Grant, um, Cornelius Fudge. Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson, who's Cornelius. No, he's not Cornelius Fudge. Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie.
2: Oh, I forgot he was in Basically, yeah.
0: like, everybody from Harry Potter who isn't Harry Potter. And Dr. House. <laughs> and, yeah, Hugh Laurie, yeah. Um, so, it's a movie about this family called the Dashwoods. And their father dies, and because of the laws of primogeniture. Yes, 19th century England. Um, They can't inherit his estate, and it's taken over by their half-brother and his evil wife. And so they have to find a place to live. And so they end up moving to this cottage in the country. And there are basically, like, three main love stories um, uh, that that go on, and it's about how those play out. You have something to say, Kathleen? I'm going to sneeze.
2: Uh, but I do have a lot to say about this
0: movie well, what, what, what did you think of this movie
2: I love this movie I'm a sucker for Jane Austen in general so that's probably why I liked it mm. but I, I just really enjoyed this movie I think it's very very pretty um, I what I love about these kind of movies that take place in like the 1900s like everyone whispers like you never know what they're saying cause they're <laughs> just, and they talk so fast um, and everything is such a big deal but they say it in such a whisper it's mm. great Um, and I think that the acting was super good, and I think that there was, like, this great mix of drama and humor, and my foot is cramping, so I'm going to turn it off to Lars.
1: I don't actually have a lot to say about this movie. I was pleasantly surprised as well. Um, it's, it was, it was more fun and more interesting and more dramatic than I kind of expected. I kind of expected it to be just kind of like a kind of boring period piece, um, but it turned out to be kind of a delight. It was like it was very much the like four weddings and a funeral for mm-hmm. me of this year. And I was like my expectations were kinda low because I just knew it like it wasn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort
0: of met those mixed like, like it's not my favorite. I just I thought it was good. Yeah, I also like this movie. I loved the language of this movie. I loved how they talked. Um, and I loved how they were able... For, like, something that would seem like it's kind of like a staid period piece, they were able to express... It was, A, one, one. it was, like, pretty funny, I thought. Yeah. yeah sure. And um, they were able to... just. The, I loved the way they sort of expressed emotion, because they're in this sort of, like, you know, repressive society in a way. And so they can... There's only so many outlets for emotion to come out. And I liked uh, the way they did that. Uh, and I like the
2: way that they show that, too, because... You, and this is also how Jane Austen wrote the book. But, um... The, and this is also just like a huge theme in a lot of Jane Austen stuff is that you have one character who is very by the books. Mm-hmm. Very like the mink. I forget all of their names.
0: M- Mrs. Ms Dashwood and Mary- Ms. Marianne. Okay, so. Ms. Dashwood is Emma Thompson.
2: Ms. Dashwood. You know, she, she doesn't express her feelings. She's very like quiet, very buttoned up. And then, so she's you know what this culture is. And then you have Ms. Marianne who's just like love is everything, and let's go ride horses, and blah, blah, blah. And she's, you know, she's what everyone wants to be. Or, like, you know, she's, like, she's supposed to be, like, 16. Mm. Um.
0: Oops. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what I love about her character is, like, um, they're, uh, they're, I couldn't tell... What was their relationship to Sir John, the guy whose cottage they end up living in?
2: It's their mother's cousin.
0: They're, yeah They're over with their mother's cousin And they're like Ah We'll set you up With this Colonel Brandon guy And she's like <laughs> What are his pursuits But she literally says like, What are his pursuits His passions His interests That's all she cares about yeah. Um And I loved that Kind of just being like You know it's really It's like This movie High Fidelity where he's like, I don't want to. He was like, I know, it, like it will sound superficial to say that, like the music and movies you like are like important, but they really are. And it's kind of like that was like the nineteenth century version of that. Um, yeah, it, it was an interesting contrast between the very yeah, buttoned up yeah. Emma Thompson and the not buttoned up Kate Winslet.
2: That's one of my favorite scenes because she's like, "What are his passions, his Pursuits?" And the and his name's John? What is his name? Yeah, Sir John. Sir John. John it's just like, oh, he's very polite. Or like whatever yeah, he, he says. Like, oh, he's
0: the best shot in yeah. Devon. Shit.
2: It's always like weird. Like you're not answering my question. Responses. Mm. Um, that and then one of my other favorite scenes is when the it's the very first scene in the movie or like the second scene in the movie, maybe when um, the half brother who ends up taking their house and their fortune from them. Is trying to decide how much of an allowance he's going to give the because he has to give the woman an allowance every year and how much he's going to give them and he starts with this very high number and then throughout like the several scenes that make up this one scene, um, him and his wife just talk themselves down to like the bare minimum that they can give and they just like but the way they talk about it's just like oh yeah that'll be fine they don't mm-hmm. know they don't need a lot they don't need like that much to buy they like they don't need any servants blah 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 it's like I just think it's a very funny yeah scene.
0: the. The one scene that's up in my mind is funny is where, um, it's like Kate Winslet and their youngest, the youngest sister, they're like, uh, hanging out in the rain, and she ends up falling down a hill. It was a very unconvincing fall. Yeah. But she ends up falling down a hill, and she's like, twisted her ankle, and this dude comes by on horseback and like, sweeps her off her feet, and brings her home to like, get her safe. And all the women were like, oh my god, who is this dude? And they're like the way they react, like, oh my god, like this is like the hottest dude we've ever seen. And it's like the it's just so funny watching him get all up in a tizzy about this guy who saved this girl. It's um yeah, it's it's uh it's funny. But there are also some like actual gut punches in this movie, I feel like, right? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> and a lot of them do Alan Rickman's character, Colonel Brandon, who's in, in love with Kate Winslet's character. <laughs> But ours is a very good alan rickman impression <laughs> uh. <laughs> and um but she's in love with willoughby the guy who saves her from the rain and you know you get to see like i think we have all had that moment where we find out someone we're into is like dating someone else or something <laughs> what <laughs> and it's a terrible feeling and the way you get to see that sort of play out in his character is very sort of like real and well yeah. done Oh no! And, and there, there are a lot of moments like that. <laughs> like it, it turns out that <laughs> God damn it, Lars, that Emma Thompson's character is in love with a dude who is also in like a secret relationship. Oh, there's like, a lot
2: of jerks in this movie. A lot,
0: a lot, a lot of jerks and lots of twists and turns yes. um, that I think work really well.
2: And the best part is that, like, as watching this as a modern modern audience who one has to keep up with the language that they use, and two has to keep up with, well, as Americans, the accents. Mm -hmm. And two, just the fact that everything is whispered. Mm -hmm. Like, the twists and turns, you're like... They're extra twisty, twisty and turny because you have to, like repeat everything they're saying because you don't really know what they're talking about and you're never quite sure exactly what's going on Mm. um, because there's a lot of weird family relations and not just with the Dashwoods but like with everyone else. So you're always like, wait, 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 Who said that to who and why do we care? Mm -hmm.
1: Everyone in England apparently has some connection with everyone else in England is what I learned from this movie. (laughs) It's like everyone knows at least one other
0: person that at least everyone else knows. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, my, my, I think my biggest criticism of this movie is that towards the end, as a spoiler alert, again, it's a 20 year old movie, um, is that, uh, Kate Winslet gets very sick and she's lying in bed and I'm like, oh no, she's going to die. She's going to die. She's going to die. And I hate it when characters end up sick and dead for long periods of time. And that's supposed to be like the climax of the movie because they're either going to die or they're either going to live. Either way, people are gonna cry, and I just feel like it kills momentum. And I feel like that happened with some sensibility. I feel like the momentum kind of died at that point.
2: I, but I think that that um, it's, an, it's opened an, it's up. R- I, I would agree because she doesn't do anything but lie in bed. Um, but I think that opened up Colonel Brandon to be able mm. to like show how like. He, he's so uncomfortable and he's so worried and he's like yeah. you need to tell me something to do or else I'm gonna go insane like give me a job so yeah. I can help you take care of her and I think that was the moment that the audience really gets to see like he cares like he's yeah. such a stand up like out of this movie because then like so many other characters just let us down mm-hmm. that you're like wow we do have a stand up character yeah. this guy's awesome
0: yeah, it's like everyone in this movie has their own dark little secret, and his own dark little secret is that it turns out he's an awesome dude. Yeah, because it's like there's <laughs> too. It, 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 it turns out he, that he has been like the surrogate father to his former lover's daughter, who he did not father, and that I don't want to spoil too much of it, but that's basically like the mm-hmm. gist. And yeah, it, it just it's it's also one of those things you you find out when I was actually reading about the source. Of, they initially filmed a whole sequence where that's revealed. Or like he goes to see her at the farm she's living at, and blah blah blah. But like, you know, it would be more interesting if he just told Emma Thompson, and because then you have to see the emotion on his face and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I miss Alan Rickman so much. Me
2: too. Me
0: too. I he was such he's such a good actor. He's so good. Um, his hair is awesome in this movie. I was about to
2: say his hair is amazing. He's in this movie. just
0: he's. I just really miss him. That was my biggest takeaway from this movie, I think. I managed to turn a Jane Austen movie about a dude, but, you know, that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. A- anything else to add about Sentence on No, it
2: just made me realize that I love that time period, too. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. I feel like... Why, why do you like Jane Austen so much? <laughs>
2: I don't... Not, I have nothing
0: against Jane Austen. I'm just really curious.
2: No, it's something that I feel like not a lot of people would expect me to like Jane yeah. Austen. It's just like... It's pretty, and it's interesting because all it is, I think really what it gets down to is like, uh, from the very beginning, uh, when we did our intro episode, I said, I like stories about people, and all of Jane Austen is about people, and it's like, like Laura said, they all know each other, so there's all these weird connections, and you have to piece it all together, and everyone's dealing, because it is such in many ways a repressed society, everyone's dealing with their own secret things, and has to work that out internally, Well. Living in this life where everybody knows everyone else's business. Um, it's a very interesting just balance of like self and community and finding a place. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Cool.
0: And I think one thing you made me think of is like, it is interesting because their relationships are their lives. Yeah. Like they are tied mm-hmm. to their family names. Mm-hmm. And so so much depends on their reputation and on making that reputation, like, mean something and yeah. all that. And so that that is, one, because there are, like, stakes in that regard, and also because I think, I, I, I'm not that familiar with Jane Austen's work, but certainly in, in this instance you have sort of the hypocrisies of that exposed. And, um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it's so cool, too, because there is a scene where there's one family connection where, um, with the evil, like, sister-in-law. Yeah. Um... She doesn't want her brother to marry down, hmm. and um so this one woman like and and it's like I mean she seems like a jerk for not wanting that, right? but in a way, you get it because like this is this is the society like if he marries mm-hmm. down, then he's he's like basically just burying himself like you like it's a yeah, they're so stuck mm-hmm. like that is the only way that they can move around is to move honestly upwards. Um, so it's like you I mean she's a huge jerk I don't like her at all but you also get it um, what is also always hilarious to me though in doing awesome movies is that it's it's always about like a family that gets down on their luck financially and they're complaining of, I'm not complaining but they're talking about how they have to like they're so embarrassed of their small homes mm-hmm. they're all in these massive yeah. <laughs> properties and they at least have a single servant and there's, like, horses and stables and just gardens galore. And you're like, oh, yeah, I feel really bad for you. Right,
0: but yeah. They, they were, I, I was reading about this, and they said that, like, while they were writing the screenplay, they were like, we have to make them look way richer than when they actually are at the beginning so people don't think that, like, we're ridiculous for saying mm-hmm. poor when I live in this, like, cute little cottage. Um, yeah. So anyway, this was nominated for costume design. Cinematography, it is a pretty nice movie to look at. Uh, Dramatic score, it won for Adapted Screenplay, and Emma Thompson became the only person to win for both acting and writing. Whoa! Whoa. (laughs) Fun fact. Uh, Kate Winslet was nominated, Emma Thompson was nominated, and it was nominated for Best Picture. Nice. Yeah. So, it's, I guess it would be 1996 at this point.
2: It's that time.
0: You're a member of the Academy. Yes. You're given a ballot. Has Apollo 13, Babe, Braveheart, Il Postino the Postman, and Sense insens- and Sensibility listed. How do you vote? Let's start with you, Michael. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I am going to go with. So I'm stuck between Apollo 13 and Braveheart. Interesting. And what I think I'm going to say is Apollo 13, and here's why. I was listening to another podcast where they watched best picture movies, and this guy when they, they were had this similar segment. where They're trying to figure out what they're going to pick, and he was like, "In my in my mind, when you pick a best picture winner, it has to be something that like sticks in your mind." And Braveheart definitely sticks in my mind because it's a memorable movie. It's, it's I would say it's a would, Braveheart's like a great movie. I love Braveheart. I I, I, I like I, I kind of love it, but Apollo thirteen sticks in my mind. As something that like made me feel something, mm-hmm. as this sort of like ode to, um, you know, like sort of like a very American work ethic, and just like it's Tom Hanks at his Hanksiest, and it 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 I it, it just it just made me feel it transported me into like that situation, and it 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 drew something out of me that Braveheart didn't. Like Braveheart to me is a pretty simple story. Um, it, it's pretty linear. And again, it's it's a technical marvel, but it's pretty simple in that regard. And I feel like Apollo thirteen pulls off it. It makes it makes you feel like any movie can tell you something. Apollo thirteen made me feel something, mm-hmm. and that's why woke. Yeah. Well, actually, remind me. There was that essay on like woke art. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, and it compared Get Out and Master of None. And the point to me is that, like, Master of None has actual scenes where they sit around and talk about why racism or sexism is bad. Whereas Get Out, it puts you in situations that, like, you as, like, a non-black audience member would not find yourself in. And it makes you feel like you would be if you were actually in that situation, which makes it more effective.
1: Woke.
0: And so that's—I feel like a Apollo 13— Although not in regards to race, does a, a th- a, it kind of does that in, in a sense. It's a very white year. I was just thinking about this. So was well, last year. I, know, I guess Morgan Freeman was in. Charge yeah, of but like
1: all of these movies are very white, if not exclusively white. Yeah,
0: kept Babe. <laughs> I, I think you're. I. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly can't think of a non-white actor in any of these movies. They're also all... No, they're, I was going to say they're all period pieces, but that's not true. Yeah. We don't know where or when Babe takes place <laughs> that's true. in some alternate universe where pigs can talk, apparently. Yeah. Um, just kind of like last year was a very like masculine year. Yeah, yeah. This year, I think you're right, is a very white year. And I think next year's going to be pretty... Actually, it's not entirely true. We'll next year is going to be a little more diverse, but just a little bit. Um... <laughs> Who who wants to go next? I'll go
1: next. Uh, I would choose Apollo thirteen. It's it's just like the movie does it. It's it sells it sells me. It gives you feelings. It almost makes you cry. There's like moments where you're like clapping and cheering. There's moments where you're sad. Um, brave like I, and I agree with you. I like Braveheart. But the reason I like Braveheart is like it's like you said. Like Braveheart sticks with me, but it sticks with me kind of like the way like. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau's The Room <laughs> sticks with me and then it's like, I remember it for like, it's it's like quirks and it's funniness and it's like oh, this is, this is entertaining not as like a, this made me feel feelings. Um, I, so yeah, uh, I think definitely Apollo 13.
2: I too was between Apollo 13 and Braveheart and I choose Apollo 13 for the same reasons that like basically you guys did. For I... Loved Braveheart so much more than I was expecting to, but it, a lot of it was because of the quirks. And at the end of the day, it was like a Marvelous movie, but it wasn't a, um, a movie with a lot of depth. Um, and I think Apollo thirteen has the same Marvel, and it but it carries a lot more de- depth to it. And there's characters that are more than just one like Apollo. Th- I mean, Braveheart is like one tract. It's like mm. this is our goal. We're gonna go after our goal. Um, I think Apollo thirteen has more things you can explore and just made me love Tom Hanks so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright. We're all after picking three different movies last, last, last time, time yeah. we're all in agreement now. Um, so the other the other thing it's nineteen ninety five. You get to nominate movies. Kathleen <laughs> goes for her phone.
1: See, I've been prepared for this. Okay. So what do you nominate? Yes. So I'm very upset that Casino was not nominated. Mm. Casino is a great film, and it's like an epic about Las Vegas. It's a great movie.
0: I've I've actually never seen Casino, and I'm like a Martin Scorsese. It's
1: like it's like or. it's like a Martin Scorsese <laughs> <laughs> boy. It's like a Martin, It's like if Martin Scorsese did an epic about the history of Las Vegas. It's great.
0: It is literally what that is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. It is. Um, um, and then the other one
1: I was thinking of. And these two, both problematic for the exact same reason. Seven and The Usual Suspects are both great movies. Um, I'm a little confused why The Usual Suspects did not get nominated. Because I actually think it's kind of... It has always been pretty well received. And it's always been billed to me as like a very good film. I really liked it. I mean, it's after the first watch. It's Mm. less interesting. But um, I think that one's a technical... Feet. But yeah, no, I would say Casino is one I would definitely I would have nominated Yeah, the
0: Usual Suspects was actually won two Oscars. It yeah. won it won for Best Original Screenplay and Kevin Spacey, one uh, of Best Supporting Actor. Which like he's like, he's he's a great he's actor. Fair. He turns out he's also a Cree. Yeah. Um, Just like Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah.
1: So be a good year for that.
0: Yeah, Usual Suspects and Seven was also on my list. Um, and then going the animated route, again this is an era where Movies were not nominated, but Toy Story. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> you know, the the Pixar movie. And then Pocahontas. Pocahontas is a really good movie. I haven't seen it it's, in a while, but I remember really uh, liking it. John Smith. Colors of the <laughs> Wind. Great song. John, Mel Gibson voices John Smith. John Smith. Um, so yeah, it, it is interesting. Just, yes. Like, Jumanji
1: came out that.
0: This year, uh, this was the last year that All four acting winners were not in Best Picture-Dominated movies. Were not. Kevin Spacey and the Usual Suspects. Whoa. Um, uh, Nicholas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, that's another one. What Vegas movies that year? Susan Sarandon in Dead Man Walking and Mira Sorvino in Mighty Aphrodite. That rhymes. Yeah. Kathleen.
2: Um... The Power Rangers film? <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I would say The Usual Suspects um, uh, with the full disclosure that I did see that movie but remember nothing about it and remember not understanding anything about it when I watched it. It's
1: perfect. Now you can rewatch it and not know the twist. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. Um, but I remember just like my best friend who I watched um, um, Pulp Fiction with was just all about it. Um so I just remember it ha- be having the right qualities to be, a, you know, a nominee. Um, Toy Story maybe, um, but otherwise, nah, I'm fine. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I think that does it for this episode. Yeah, I'm set. Yeah. Uh, next week, we're gonna do 1996. We'll be watching The English Patient, Fargo, Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, and Shy. So, uh...
2: I know none of those.
0: Fargo's good. Yeah, (laughs) Fargo's the only movie I've seen on this list. Yeah, me too. And I can confirm it is, in fact, good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. And, uh... I've been Lars.
2: (laughs) Oh, but we're gonna do our letterboxed accounts? Oh, right! Uh, I'm I'm Uh,
1: Lars, at Lars Emerson. That's
0: my name. Catherine. I'm
2: Kathleen at KathleenLevito.
0: I'm Mike, um, and I'm on Twitter, at EmLevito. Good work, Mike. Yeah, good work <laughs> all around. This was good. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for listening, and uh, talk to you in about, like, two weeks.